We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is going to be... Uh, actually, we're going to put this one up on Thursday, so it'll be a day ahead of time, give you plenty of opportunity to consume the podcast here. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Andrew Spade in just a moment. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to talk first about linebackers, and that is the reason why is because of where we are in the OBR's preview run-up to training camp, which is going to be here. Uh, and, you know, rookies reporting on the 19th. We're, we're getting pretty close, under two weeks away from rookies reporting. 21st for everybody else. So, you know, if, if you have paid attention, we haven't really done a positional preview. We'll probably do a bit more position by position preview stuff when we get into training camp, because again, in training camp, not a ton to dive into other than kind of news and notes that we get for the day. So we'll do a little bit more in depth on that when we get to training camp. But for now, we are going to hit on some of the positions that are sort of looming out there that the things are being written, discussed about at the OBR and that hits linebackers today. I think Andrew, when you talk linebackers in the Browns, there are several names, you know, that are uh, important. Anthony Walker, his return from injury. I wrote about that. It'll be up later this week. There'll be discussion the same with Sione Takitaki, and we'll again talk about that in here just a minute. But it really comes down to JOK, because when I was looking back, they have not invested in this position with any premium pick other than him. I consider a second-round pick a premium pick. Third-rounders like Jacob Phillips kind of gets a little dicey. But... Like, JOK is the only premium positional spend we've seen at linebacker in a while. Like, I, ca- I can't I can't think of one. They made a trade um, a while back to get rid. They got rid of DeMario Davis. I can't, like, are, am I blanking on this? What interior linebacker have the Browns spent serious capital on in your recent memory? Just off the top of your head, because I can't think of one. I mean, interior, yeah. No, I, I completely... Uh, completely blank. Um, the first name that jumped into my head was Paul Kruger. So, that, yeah, that's, it's, that, and that's not an answer to your question. That's just the first name that jumped into my head. It's been a long time. They have just sort of ignored this position over regime after regime. And now mm-hmm. I think we're looking at, I mean, JOK was what, still picked like 50, 52. So that's it's still a player outside the top 50, but they need him to be good because Obviously, JOK had a lot of buzz toward the first round and things of that nature. We thought there was a chance they would take him all the way up at 26 where they selected Greg Newsom. But I'm kind of scrolling through. Like, they took Jacob Phillips at 97, Taki Taki at 80. They have not selected Jannard Avery the year before. Didn't take a linebacker in 17, which is a bit stunning considering all the picks they had. They had even more picks in 2016 and Joe Schobert was an outside linebacker, but he was 99. Ooh, Scooby Wright. Shout out to Scooby Wright. Seventh round pick inside linebacker Hayes Pullard in 2015. I know everybody remembers that one. Yeah. We're playing the hits now. Kirksey was picked 71. Now we're just going to go back and see how long it takes to find an interior linebacker. They took in the top 50. 
I'm in 2011. I have nothing. I'm in 2010. I have nothing. 2009, pick 52 was David Vicune mm-hmm. out of Hawaii, but still not a top 50 pick. Bo yeah, Bell in the way. outside guy too. This is a bit jarring. the The last top fifty pick on linebacker was Dequell Jackson in two thousand six. Yep. Took him thirty fourth. Yep. Who actually turned out to be one of the better linebackers they have yeah. had here. Yeah. I'm just going back to since the return they took Sean Thompson in two thousand three, spelled with a C. It makes me want to pronounce it Sean. Yeah, he was Thompson. a pass rush guy too. Fifty two. Yeah, man, this is a position that like the Browns in general have really ignored. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ninety nine, they took Raheem Abdullah, pick forty five, out of Clemson, right after Couch and Kevin Johnson. But that's yep. actually something I don't think really has been discussed. They have not selected a top fifty linebacker since, like I said, two thousand six. Right was the the note there, and then it becomes: Have they spent? any big free agency dollars on an actual off ball interior. Like Kruger's a pass rush guy. Yep. So like, have they actually invested in a linebacker in free agency for any relative dollar amount? That would be the question. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Anthony Walker is the guy and I know that that's not a big investment, but I mean, you know, it, it, you know, that, that trend for the Browns really mirrors the trend, you know, NFL wide in terms of devaluing that position. Um, they're, they're certainly not alone. I, I would venture to guess that if you looked at a lot of other teams, not spending a lot of high picks, you know, I mean, you look at the players that are doing it best in the league right now. Uh, you know, Fred Warner was not a high draft pick. Um, you know, you can get uh, high, high level uh, production. Shaq Leonard is, is the other name I was reaching for there. Um, you can get high level production outside the top 50 for sure. Yeah, so Shaq Leonard was taken at the top of the second round. Okay, where well, was there where was Fred I think Warner? He was a third rounder. That's what I have in my head. I think I think Fred Warner was a third rounder. Um, so looking real quick, he was a 2018 third rounder. Their other stellar linebacker was a, was a fifth round guy in uh, Dre Greenlaw. Mm-hmm. We talked about the other day. Um, yeah, no, you're you're right though. I know that the Browns, the one that the Browns had on their roster. And let walk Demario Davis. They traded yeah, him. Who did they right. trade him for? I cannot remember who they. There was a safety, Calvin Pryor. I think it was who they traded mm, him for. Mm-hmm. And That's then, right. and then yep. Pryor got hurt. Yep, washed out of the league and never came back into the NFL. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's check that real quick. Uh, traded to uh, was he traded to the Jets? I think he was traded to the Jets yep. and then signed as a free agent with New Orleans. Yep. So that's right. Demario Davis spent one long losing season in Cleveland. This is mm-hmm. the headline. Uh, Davis is returning to New York Jets after being traded Thursday by the Browns for safety. Calvin Pryor. Mm. He signed a two-year, $8 million contract with the Browns. So that, I guess, could be like their last multi-year commitment to yeah. a free agent linebacker back yep. in the six, before the 16 season. Mm-hmm. They had one. He was really good. They couldn't keep him. That's Mario right. Davis is still playing really good football in the NFL. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, he okay. Well, yeah. By six different regimes between <laughs> being <laughs> traded for Calvin Pryor and now, I mean, Andrew Barry true. would have cut to Mario Davis, I think. So we would want to talk about JOK because if they're going to get, you know, if you look at all the guys on the roster, like who can reach a really high level? Yeah, he's the only guy, right? That's right. I I know you're riding on him. He was up and down. Really, a bunch of flashes his first year. Dealt with a couple different injuries pretty good overall i think he took some some steps back last year but i think that there were some things with the structure of how they were what they were asking their linebackers to do to put him in a weird spot but like what we're trying to do is define for you what a really good season looks like for jok right because i think that's what we all want to know is can he get to the next level and I, i i think it's there for him it's just a matter of uh, trying to figure out how he gets there. So I'll let you talk a little bit about what you wrote, you plan to write on him or you have wrote and it needs published today as we're <laughs> recording this around noon on Thursday. Yeah. Um, well, I would just say uh, that I think that the player that we sort of expected when they traded up to draft him and, and you know, uh, I, I remember very clearly there was a lot of excitement at the OBR, but but there was also excitement in the building. I remember, um, you know, the, there was a, they talked real openly about how excited Joe Woods was to get that guy and how, you know, they were just excited to think about dream up all the different ways they could use him. 
you know, there was, I think the anecdote was that they were just standing at the board after the pick Woods and Stefanski, just talking through all the different ways you could use a player like that. Well, you know, over two seasons, none of that really materialized. Um, and, and, you know, I, 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 this is kind of a calling card of Joe Woods, right? Is that he would talk in the off season and in media stuff really extensively about, you know, being multiple and unpredictable and doing all sorts of creative stuff. And the, th- you know, the three safety thing, which I mean, in, in Brown's history, I don't know that more words have been spilt on something that didn't happen at a level that mattered in a football game more than the Browns wanting to, and somehow failing to play three safeties in a game. Um, but, but that was kind of, it feels like the theme of, of Joe Wood's time here was that, you know, look at all the fun stuff we can do. And then it would come to game day and it would be, you know, the most vanilla defense you've seen. So, um, I, you know, I think, uh, the, the biggest issue is that JOK was sort of promised or billed as a Swiss army knife, uh, versatile weapon that could line up from anywhere from, you know, on the edge to at safety and, and could hold his own, you know, he could cover the slot. He could, he could blitz, he could, you know, he can still fulfill the normal role of a linebacker. And, uh, in, in reality, what has happened over the first two seasons is that he's mostly just played a sort of traditional weak side linebacker role in a four, three defense, you know, and, um, the, the, the usage, you know, hasn't been as creative and hasn't been as aggressive. Now, you know, I think one of the things that we hear a lot from both Stefanski and Joe Woods is, you know, where these guys are at in terms of understanding their responsibilities. Like they want them to get the basics before they get the graduate level stuff. And I understand that philosophy. I don't think that's wrong, but I think the, the, the upshot has been that the, you know, the Browns uh, are left with, you know, a player who was supposed to be sort of a, you know, a do everything guy. And he, and so far has been kind of a, you know, just an undersized linebacker, which is really hard to uh, make work in, in an NFL where, you know, increasingly uh, teams are content to line up in, in, you know, 12 personnel and run the ball down your throats. Yeah. The thing for him seems to be, can he, can he create some of the chaos, right? Like, can you get, can you get creative with him to allow him to create chaos? Like I do think there were plays and times and and moments last year where he did a lot of those fun things we saw his rookie year, but I felt like he played slower last year. Now, did he play slower for some specific reason? I'm not sure. Totally. Right. I'm not uh, understanding. Maybe Woods tweaked some things. Maybe he was dealing with a minor injury. Maybe teams just got better at understanding how to, you know, we talk about this all the time. Quarterbacks get a season of play under their belt, right? Yeah. And you, or, or many positions, and then teams start to figure out tendencies. Well, hey, we saw what this kid likes to do. We saw how he tries to take on blocks. If you are, if you're too quick climbing to the second level against him, he will beat you. He'll slide under you. He'll he'll shift and get, you know, quick hipped and beat you at the point. Of, but if you're late and you you let him decide instead of letting him know who's going to block him, we'll be late to him. If this makes sense on these double teams, we'll be late to him. Let him dictate what way he's going and then just take care of him from there. I think there's a world in which there's film on him as a run defender and teams figured out how to handle him. Now, can he counterbalance that? That's the yin and yang of the NFL. Teams figure it out. Can you figure out the way to beat the tendency that they feel like you present? I think he can. I think he's a smart guy. I think you and I have spoke earlier this offseason about you know, the, the quotes that were not great, right, around his his body from the coaching staff, Tarver yep. specifically, and you do start to wonder, like, I don't know what he's listed at or what he's going to be listed at this year. I know, like, Pro Football Focus probably puts generic stuff in here from the roster when he was a rookie. I don't look at that guy and see 220 pounds. I really don't. I, I see 205, maybe 210, and I know that you, again, we, we're, we're sort of rehashing some things we've talked about, but the vegan lifestyle stuff like that. I don't know. I guess what I would say is I feel like I personally probably should adopt a bit more vegan into my life, but like <laughs> we could all think, benefit from it, but we're not playing in the NFL, Jake. <laughs> this is true. So my, my, my thing is I feel like there's a scary disconnect for, and this is conjecture, pure conjecture. It feels like there's a disconnect in what they want him to look like and what he looks like. And, and yep. JOK feels like he can play it that way. And maybe he can, maybe he has a stellar year. It's, well within reason to think he has a nice bounce back season but 
I do think based on Tarver's comments that he wouldn't have said the body, they don't think is quite where they want it to be, to be able to handle the burden of what this season could potentially look like. You know what I mean? I do. And I think, you know, one of the questions, one of the points that Tarver made was that, you know, his focus of his off season to this point was rehabbing from that foot ankle injury, you know, that, that ended his season last year. Um, and I think I can see certainly from that perspective, if you're rehabbing an injury to that part of your body, you know, keeping your weight down is probably advisable. Right. And then once, you know, that's fully healed, which I think, you know, this is kind of what, what Tarver was saying. It was like, that's, that's, that's fully healed. So then between, you know, mini camp and when training camp starts here in a few weeks, you know, he's expecting JOK to come back bigger. So I, I think that's, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a little bit of an early preview of when we start to talk some of the training camp questions is like, what does JOK look like, you know, uh, week one at the Greenbrier, you know, if he looks noticeably bigger, then I think that, you know, maybe the message did get through, but, but I think it's also fair uh, for you to kind of, you know, spec for us to speculate, you know, on if that disconnect does exist, because I, I certainly think, you know, um, it's, it, one area where JOK is really in danger is the the classic uh, dynamic that un, unravels, you know, in these situations when a new defensive coordinator comes in and he sees what this guy has done and he's like, well, that's not really work. That's not going to work for me. If you want to play for me, you got to be 220, 230. And so now the guy faces the decision of like getting on the same page as the defensive coordinator and changing his body or playing out the string here, you know, potentially being traded and and going someplace else to a, a different team that is comfortable using a player that wants to run around at 205. And so you see that in the NFL a lot, right? Like, uh, you know, coaching personnel changes and guys that the last guy thought were a fit aren't a fit anymore, and they have to go someplace else to be successful. I'm not saying that's definitely what's going to happen, but there's a world in which it just doesn't work out here because, you know, the, what Joe Wood saw being possible isn't possible, at, at least in Cleveland. The thing for me with him is, can they get creative alignment wise? Like, yeah, I exactly. will be, re- I like, I will be really disappointed even if he doesn't check in, you know, the size they want him to be. Can they still get creative with him? Use him in funky blitz stuff. Put him in slot stuff like yep. coverage and weird situate. Like, I just would like to see this year where it's like, oh, look how they're using him there. That's fun, right? Yep. Like. Because even if he's not very big, you can still find different ways. You should. It would be really disappointing to flush a player like that yep. out. And but especially when, you know, Schwartz has been real clear about not wanting to be too pressure heavy, wanting to get, you know, get home with, with his rush. One of the ways that you do that is by designing, you know, different rushes, simulated pressures, that sort of thing that like manipulate the quarterback and the offensive line protections to get guys clean rushes. And so JOK is perfect for that, right? Because if he's standing over the slot and can, can credibly cover the slot, but can also come on a, on a blitz that puts the, the offensive line and the quarterback in conflict. That's the Browns don't really have another player that can do that. I mean, Grant Delpit to a certain extent, but JOK is, is their guy that, that you would like to see to your point, do stuff like that. Yeah. There, there should be a large expectation here for a third year leap, right? Being around the league, I, do, I think a lot of the things folks have said is that philosophically this defense isn't that much different. It's just terminology, mm-hmm. and I think that there are guys who can help with that, and there should be a high expectation for JOK to have a nice year because even though he was picked 52nd, it's not a top 50 selection. That is a premium pick for a linebacker. So there is belief when they selected him. There should still be belief now that he can be an upper echelon, borderline elite yeah. linebacker. The second mm-hmm. year didn't show that. Now, again, yeah. we all know the defense's debacle was well-documented, and mm-hmm. you certainly don't want to write his whole story based off that second year. But there are things about the body. There are things about his ability to counteract what people put on film that need to be answered. Hopefully they do. And it would be really nice to see them get creative with him. When we talk about his teammates, Andrew, you're talking about two guys coming back for injury, which I view as pretty important pieces. Anthony Walker and Sione Takitaki. A simple question, but maybe we could delve into some different angles from it. Which guy getting back playing healthy football is more important to them? Is it Takitaki, his ability to play Sam, also play inside? His development was moving in a great direction. Or is it the leadership of Walker and all that comes with you know him being a part of this, not just as a as a player on the field, but a part of the weekly prep and 
involvement in the linebacker room the way it needs to be where he's not off you know rehabbing a torn quad and all that stuff he's around he's he's a part of things i think that is uh is a huge part of it because all the way people talk about him uh and, and that's kind of what i'm writing is it's like I've, I've really rarely heard a player talked about the way i have anthony walker yeah for uh leadership off the field preparation and all of that but i think you know it's it's an interesting situation here because i think taki taki was becoming a potentially really nice player uh and, and proving that he was more than just that short down uh sam walk up back or like he could do more so i'm curious which one you are more interested or feel like is more more important to to rectify this year getting more games out of them yeah i mean <clears throat> your point about the walker stuff is so good because i think uh you know the the uh the the player is a is a good you know solid player but the way that he was talked about you know in the in the wake of that injury during the pittsburgh game and just just to remind people that you know maybe don't uh you know Remember, he he suffered a torn quad against the Steelers in week three uh, in that Thursday nighter and missed the rest of the season. And, you know, a lot of people were saying either directly or sort of implying that Walker's injury in week three, you know, was really the catalyst that started the defensive uh, meltdown that that kind of ensued over the next few weeks. You know, we've, we've talked about the Atlanta Falcons loss. We've talked about the Patriots loss where Bailey Zappi was carving them up. Um, you know, those are things that that they're not saying it's all, you know, without Anthony Walker, those or with Anthony Walker, those would have been wins. But I think there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of implication that, that he was sort of the biggest loss on defense, which is just so hard for me to square with the type of the position that he plays and the type of player that he is. Like, again, I think he's a fine player, but I, it, it almost, I, I really you know, go back and forth about whether or not that's just excuse making, because it's hard for me to believe that a player that, 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 a, that, 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 you know, the defense was that was hanging by one player's quad muscle. <laughs> I, I mean, to put it, to put it bluntly, right? Like yeah. that, that the other 10 guys on the field when he went down, didn't know where they were supposed to be except for him telling them. And, you know, Maybe that's the case, but man, it, it, I think it really shines even more of an unflattering lot, lot, uh, light, pardon me, on the coaching staff, right? Because I, I think if you're depending on your middle linebacker to make sure everybody's lined up correctly for, for through the season, that, that really shines a light on, on a poor job of preparation and, and, and basic coaching by the coaching staff, because I, it shouldn't be necessary. There's a chance he is that important, right? Because I, I guess, but it's just so, it's so, yeah, it's so much. I get it. I get it. That's a lot. You would think somebody else would be able to figure it out uh, yeah. to an extent and coach it up better. And it's probably why that group's not here anymore. Well, Joe Woods, some of the, the remnants are still here, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't know that I've seen a player arrive to Cleveland. Who's had teammates talk about a player in the way, especially an all pro like Darius Leonard is or Shaq Leonard. Now, as he goes by, um, you know, just kind of saying that this guy taught me how to be a professional, his preparation. Like, I, I think it's possible that it, he is, a really big part of it but no i mean to work away from that he should not be single-handedly delivering a lot of what we're talking about here there are things that guys should be able to pick up on take from example from him one time or whatever whatever like you would like to see that application pressed into place more um is from others not just walker with that statement um like i i wanted to hit on something else real quick with jok on, on on uh you know perception of him I think he's dealing with a similar perception as Greg Newsom, where they haven't created turnovers, right? Where I think people on a on a down to down basis don't notice what linebackers are doing a lot of times. So what does the linebacker have to do to get noticed? Usually hand on the football, breaking passes up, creating interceptions, recovering fumbles, or forcing them. That's usually how guys get there. I think as a league, we've gotten better at figuring out who's good and bad based on tape study and some of the numbers that we get. But I think that some of what JOK suffers and where people don't think he's very good is that they look at the, what big plays has he created? And it's the same thing with Greg Newsom. I think they're good players, but to get more respect around the league and in the fan base, they probably need to be a part of those big plays. Would you agree with that? Like they need to be JOK's had some, he had that forced fumble late in the Baltimore game on the road that gave them a chance to come back and win that game. Like he's done some things. I'm not trying to say he hasn't, he doesn't have an interception uh, yet in his career, kind of him and Newsom are fighting to figure out who can get the first one of those. But I feel like those two are really solid so far 
but they need some splash plays this year for people to to, to conceptually think that they've taken strides. Well, some of those things are just random variants. You know what I mean? I do. I mean, I think, yeah, I think big picture with this linebacker group, uh, the, the reason that, you know, we're, we're talking about who's more important, Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki is because we're, we're talking about role players, right. From, from, and, and the frustrating thing about JOK is that he was clearly their one sort of bet on a player that could be more than a role player. And to your your point, that's a player that then you, if he's more than a role player, you expect to see splash plays and they haven't been there. You know, I mean, I, I think even the pass rush decline from, from year one to year two with, with JOK is telling, right. He had uh, 55 pass rush snaps his his uh, first season, according to PFF, 10 pressures, uh, three sacks, a hit and six hurries Uh, last year. Uh, 31 pass rush snaps, six pressures, one hit, five hurries. So, you know, um, yeah. that not that not taking a step forward. Now, I mean, we also have to talk about the injuries, right? He's he's missed time both seasons. But that not That's taking a, a step forward. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a, it's going to ha- hamper any young player's development if they're not on the field, right? I mean, his, you know, his his best his best games, two of his best games of the year were the first two games of of last season, right? And so. When you hear Jason Tarver talking about you know changing his body, I don't. I think it's part of it is just about what he does on a down to down basis on the field, what he can do just size wise. But I think Tarver said this out loud too. It's like it's also about just holding up over the course of the season. And I think the Browns are are starting to worry that he can't hold up long long term, you know, to the just the the beating that the NFL is, and so that will create these sort of patterns where strong early season catches a a knock or two and then just really struggles to get right for the rest of the year, which is, that's the story of 2022. So, and, and that probably does speak to why the pass rush production wasn't there at all. Yeah. So 55 snaps and pass rush down to 31. I I think that like, this is my part of my larger point. If he gets another 25 pass rush snaps, can he get to 10 pressures again? But this is the thing pressures are not perceived publicly the way they should be yet they're still not as Great meaningful point. as a stack so people he just needs to get the big play create the big plays and your point which i think was stellar a few minutes ago you you drafted him and you thought of him in a way in which you're expecting him to make those splash plays and the yep. same for greg as a first round corner you can be solid all you want hey man you need to start creating some turnovers for us that's what the best in the business do they need to do that i hope those if those two can do that it should, you know, that that's, these are two prime guys. And I know we haven't really dug into DBs yet. We'll get there with Greg, but like, these are two prime guys who, who we talked about many times over the past two months, you and I about the good to greats. Can they yep. get from being, that's a good player to be in. That's a great or elite player. Mm-hmm. They're two prime guys. So we'll hope that they get, and again, JOK. And I think Greg, they were drafted similar age. They're not even 24 yet. They're going to play this that's year right. at 23. They're super young. Yep. So, mm-hmm. You know, we're not in panic mode, but I think I think it's very fair to look at JOK and be like, okay, can this guy play? He's played five ninety seven and five thirty five. We need him to be an eight hundred to a thousand snap defender. Yeah. And we're concerned about him getting there. So yep. uh, hopefully this year presents some new evidence in a different way. Uh and, and Walker and Taki Taki, who I think Taki Taki will be back like week six to eight area is my hunch. Uh hopefully he can, you know, get the knee right and have a chance to to still be an impactful player for them because I think they can find yeah. ways to use him. He's a fun pass rushing linebacker that they can unleash. Yeah, uh, and, and I think some some early season opportunities for other guys, right? Tony Fields and uh, maybe the the guy that they signed from from the Bears, Matt Adams. I mean, yeah. uh, they're going to need somebody else to contribute early in the season. I think because I don't. I, I think certainly Taki Taki's not going to be ready week one, and I think Walker being ready week one, I, I would still be surprised just because of the severity of that injury, but. Uh, but so so it's also a group in flux, right? And that all of that just points to JOK being the guy that's going to have to lead the group, and and it's time. It's his third year, so it's, it's time to go. Believe it or not, Jacob Phillips is still around. I don't know if oh, he'll make the yeah. roster, but mm. he is. Uh, he's still a body. He's still out there. You talk about a guy who doesn't, you know, the injuries, the weird injuries for him, man. Like I don't know, not not been good enough on the field. Flashes, not good enough when on the field, but like. If you got, you know, how do you, how do you expect him to get back? He can't, he can't, he can't stick around. So uh, he might be on the outside looking in when all is said and done at this roster. But to your point, if those two are not ready to go week one, maybe he has a chance to be an early part and is something to capitalize on there. If there's an opportunity early in the season to get some more snaps, but 
not optimistic about that one. We'll get off linebackers. We are going to go take a quick break, and then we're going to do two very quick uh, NFC uh, West teams to finish up on the, that will be on the Brown schedule, and they are going to be quick. So just want to warn you ahead of time. These are two teams we do not think are going to matter very much. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home, and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com slash audio. Okay, we're going to start with the Cardinals. Um, Yay. Yeah. What a weird situation the Cardinals are in. Uh, mm-hmm. Their marquee additions are Kaiser White, the linebacker. And this is a marquee addition. Yodi Froholt, the offensive lineman. Um, lost Zach Allen on the defensive line. That hurts. Lost Byron Murphy. They um, obviously, since this article was wrote up way back when, uh, have moved on from DeAndre Hopkins. They are in a pretty pretty weird spot. They're going to be bad, and I think they're openly okay with being bad. They have, uh, I think they ended up fleecing the Texans for their picks. Uh, they have a chance to have two top five picks, which is a rare thing in the NFL draft. I mean, we know that because we saw the Browns do it not too long ago. They should have a really nice chance to build, but for now, um, I don't know, man. They have Marquise Brown and Rondale Moore. They like this Michael Wilson from Stanford. They took in the third round. Uh, otherwise, it's like Greg Dorch, Zach Pascal. It's a really depleted wide receiver group. DJ Humphreys, Elijah Wilkinson, Yodi Froholt slated to start. Will Hernandez at right guard, and then they took Paris Johnson in the first round. They also took John Gaines in the fourth round, a UCLA guard who's a player I liked. They have Zach Ertz and Trey McBride, so some promising young tight end with a veteran mixed in. Who knows when Kyler Murray will be back there early on the Brown schedule. What are they? Week seven. Yeah. Six or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're six or seven. I think they're right after San Francisco or close to it. I don't think the expectation is Kyler will be back for that. They still have uh, James Connor in the backfield. The, the second back right now looks like Corey Clement. We'll see uh, defensive line. Um, you know, they're an odd front team. Carlos Watkins is the nose. Rashard Lawrence, LJ Collier. You're probably asking who on a lot of those, and that's fair. Myjay Sanders is an outside linebacker slated to start for them. He was a third-round pick in 22. They drafted B.J. Ojolari, who I liked a lot from LSU in the second round this year. Zaven Collins is still there. Kaiser White, who we mentioned they signed. Somewhere in this mix is Isaiah Simmons. He's listed as a nickel for them now, their first-round pick, Isaiah Simmons. back Hilarious. In- 2020 i don't know what position that young man's playing anymore um antonio hamilton is a corner for them marco wilson is a corner for them 
Buda Baker's still there. He requested a trade. I guess he turned back on that. Who knows? Uh, Jalen Thompson is their other safety. This is a bad team. The Colt McCoy situation is the quarterback. Yep. Clayton Toon is the fifth round pick, sort of angling as the the third guy. Who are they? I don't even know. I really I mean Drew Petzing is their OC. I don't know anything. I had a Cardinals guy ask me about Petzing. I know nothing about him. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. We knew so little about him. I don't know how much he's responsible for. I don't know if Petzing is just like Jonathan Gannon's boy. Like a Gannon's a Cleveland guy. He was a I think he was a San Ignatius grad. Or St. Edwards, I don't know which one. I haven't cared enough to look it up. But I know he comes from Cleveland originally, went to Louisville, yeah. and like was a student coach there. And Yeah, I, they I coached together somewhere. I can't remember where. If it was, I think it was Minnesota, I believe, um, and became fast friends. And, and, you know, unfortunately, that's still how the NFL does business these days. Uh, it is. Even in 2023, guy, guys can still get head coaching jobs and just be like, I know him. He's my friend. He's my offensive coordinator now. Not to say that Drew Petzing wasn't headed that way. I think he was, but he was the Browns quarterback's coach for one season. So uh, it's not like his resume is long and, and rich. Um, yeah. It's it's a questionable hire, I think. And uh, I, think I don't have much hire, confidence in Gannon. Well, I I, yeah, was, that was what I was about to say. I think the whole I think the whole thing stinks, to be honest with you. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, I think, look, we've seen this happen before where, I mean, the, the t- Texans are the most recent example, right? Hiring, um, you know, Lovey was last year, but the guy before David Culley, you know, two years ago was a, was a clear, you know, white flag type. We're in the middle of a rebuild and we don't want to pay a real head coach move. And I don't mean any offense to that, that coach. I think, I think he's a fine NFL coach, but, um, you know, <laughs> one of the, things that you can depend on the most in today's NFL is that guys, NFL players are too smart and too uh, confident or self-assured, whatever you want to say to, to buy uh, the bullshit that some of these lesser head coaches try and sell. Right. And yeah. one of the biggest skills at, you know, that a head coach needs is the ability to command a room. Right. And I, I mean, I think we, we had this conversation a few months ago privately there's some clips of, of Jonathan Gannon out there where it's like, uh, I, I don't see it. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I know the, like McDaniels is, uh, or Mike McDaniel has got some, like that seems corny, but it seems more off. I don't know. There's sometimes no way to truly he's, describe yeah. it. It's it just like, weird, it's not he's a being Gann- himself. <laughs> yeah. And I think that Gannon, there's a chance that Gannon is weird and also being himself, but is like, it's just too corny. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Maybe his players will love him and maybe it'll work out. But but if you were to ask me today, what's your hunch? I'd say he's a he's a stopgap for the next coach that, that they yeah. think is going to take like over a, one a or serious two year roster. Thing in Arizona. Yeah. Yep. Like they're, they're angling for years down the road here and it feels like yep. this is a, uh, a right. higher in between. And, and I know he knows a lot of people in the Cleveland side of things. And if you know him well, we're not trying to offend him. I just don't see no, no. it. He did a great job with Philly's defense last year. Yeah. Except, but, but, you, you know, know that means to, to the point of like the staff construction, if you're a first time head coach and you're a defensive guy by nature, then typically the, the thing that you do generally is you go out and hire an experienced offensive coordinator to kind of be your voice on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and that, that didn't happen here. So they're, they're, they're youth on youth all the way across. And it's just a big gamble. That's the only point here. It's, I mean, you know, Jake and I are both, you know, we, we know the NFL well enough to know that you can't sit here and say anything for certain, right? It, we're saying what it feels like to us, but there's also a chance that Jonathan Gannon is the next uh, Mike McDaniel or Sean McVay or whatever, right? And that the Cardinals are somehow eight and nine this year. I mean, that, like the NFL is weird enough. Anything is possible. So I, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, it's a done deal. I'm just saying that the signs early look like the type of thing where, they're treading water for a little bit until they can find their next quarterback, uh, replace Kyler Murray, find their next quarterback and, and rebuild this thing from scratch. Yeah. I think we answered who are they? They don't even know that yet. Maybe that yeah. will sort itself out through the year. I mean, the X factor is Kyler. How many games is he going to play? And does he ever, does is he, he ever a guy? Yeah. Does he play? And is he a guy that they ever feel is, I know they gave him the contract, but it's, it's in limbo with what he really is away, especially away. I've said this before, they had the offense, I thought, with Cliff Kingsbury that was specifically going to be the offense that he could survive in, thrive yep. even, yep. should say it that way. And that offense is now rooted as an issue. So 
he's a wild card for me. I think yeah. I'll say it this way. Where a lot of people rate Deshaun Watson right now is where I would be putting Kyler Murray. Yeah. I am very nervous about what the future yeah. looks like for him now with an ACL being the guy he is in terms of the stature in an offense yep. that is not a coming from the background that Petsing has is not one that is structured for the type of quarterback that he is. So yeah, we'll see. You know, I, I think one fun subplot here, and this is just, this is just pure speculation on my part, but I think it's something to, to consider if Kyler Murray is back and practicing by like say week four, right? He's like, he's going through walkthroughs or whatever he's running, right? He's, he's on the field. And the Cardinals are zero and four, and some other team that I, you know I'm not calling to mind right now, but but say you know a contender in the AFC uh, has a quarterback injury, right? Um, uh, does it does a team try and trade for Kyler Murray, uh, you know, uh, mid season with the idea that he could kind of come in over the course of the second half of the year and and kind of push them along? I mean, obviously, I know that the the Cardinals would want multiple first round picks, so you couldn't trade for him as like a, a, a stopgap. But if you were, I'm just trying to think of an example here of a team that would be in this sort of a situation where you had the flexibility that you could pivot to Kyler. Um, it really would work better with an older quarterback. So maybe if, if, if the thing with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers doesn't work out, do they, you know, I mean, this is total fantasy land stuff, but I just wonder if there's any chance that the Cardinals would entertain kind of like how Calvin Ridley got traded at the trade deadline, even though he was suspended the rest of the year. I wonder if they would consider trading him in season if if it seems like he is going to be back for the second half of the year, but they don't want him to be their quarterback. I don't really know like if uh if that's even feasible for them because yeah, of no, dead money. So like I, I, yeah, I was just I was look looking at it. It's great. You're right in theory, but but like I think like the dead cap would be like fifty nine million this year. So probably not then, huh? I think yeah. I think the dead money gets feasible in like 25, but even 25 is 33. I know they're punting and they clearly showed they're punting on the cap situation given what they did with DeAndre Hopkins. But like, I would have to ask Jack, somebody who knows more oh, about it. Like, well, I'm, I'm is looking it even, at over the cap. The dead money doesn't look that bad. Well, yeah, well. I mean, it's, um, it's spread out over the years. They're not taking a, a big hit in any one year, right? So they would, they would have a dead cap hit of 13 million every year through 27. 26 and then 7 million and 27. I, I guess I'm looking at maybe the wrong area on that far right dead cap and cap savings stuff. If they traded him post think, June it, one, yeah, it's the post June. There one it thing. is. Yeah. 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 Maybe it is feasible. Um, I don't yeah. know why that would make such a big difference pre June and post June, but there must be something in the contract. I, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just something, you know, that that is, I mean, your point is right. We're, that's over our heads in terms of whether that's even workable. But it just occurred to me that that it might be in the Cardinals' best interest to be moved on from that sooner rather than later, especially if they could get another first round pick in this year's draft to to add more ammo to make sure that they have, you know, get the guy they want at the top. Yeah, Kyler's twenty six, going to be twenty seven. Don't think he's going to age very well either. I would be interested if the if yeah. the asking price was there and a team. You know, you're already angling to get two top five picks and you think there's a good quarterback in this draft. Like if they loved a guy, they've already scouted those guys. Yeah. Right. right. If they love one, it's possible. Yeah. It's interesting. Better or worse better or worse than twenty two, they're they're clearly worse this year. Yeah. Yep. They are uh tier five. We'll move on. Now we go to the Rams. Fun. Wanna talk about a <laughs> team that's in, in a weird spot. Yeah. So the question with this is we're gonna go over all of this. They're in a bad spot. The roster doesn't look great. You would clearly still take it, though. What they did, oh, yeah. what they sacrificed. They have no marquee additions, but they lost Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, and Leonard Floyd, uh, yeah. among others. It's still worth it every day of the week. Give me the trophy. Give you the trophy. One time. You yep. take it. Yep. Ben Skoranek, the wide receiver room, Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Tutu Atwell. Um. No, Joe Noteboom is a left tackle. Steve Avila, who I liked at a TCU, is a left guard rookie, second round pick. Well, Logan Bruss, Brian Allen, Rob Havenstein at right tackle. Tyler Higby, Matt Stafford. Uh, as we know, they took Stetson Bennett in the fourth round. Cam Akers is a second round pick. Kyron Williams is back up. They took Zach Evans, a Mississippi kid, in the sixth round this year. That offense is 
the line is rough. You, you need yeah. McVay to pull miracles. Mike yeah. LaFleur back as the OC there. Raheem Morris takes over the defense. Is Aaron Donald in a bunch of who? Yep. Bobby Brown, the third. Yep. There we absolutely tackle? should have tried to name players on the defense that weren't Aaron Donald. I could have given yeah. you Ernest Jones, and I think that's it. Oh, Jordan Fuller, maybe. Yep. I might have yep. pulled that. Just because he's an Ohio State guy. Yeah. Uh, Marquise Copeland. Then you have Byron Young, who they took in the third round this year, and Kobe Turner. Two defensive tackles I liked, but they're third-round defensive tackles, and we know what that means. Linebackers, Ernest Jones, Christian Roseboom, and Michael Hoped. They signed an unbelievable amount of UDFAs, like an yeah. un fathomable about of udfas mm-hmm. akilo weatherspoon is one of their corners jordan fuller's a nice safety russ yeast is their currently slated free safety uh, darian kendrick is their other corner and then kobe durant a cincinnati product is the nickel slated to start they took trey todges trey hodges tomlinson uh, as well in the sixth round uh, this, this looks bad they have pieces you like you like cooper yeah. cup he's stellar you know, Tyler Higby's not a bad tight end. He's fine. Cam Akers is a fine running back. You know, Aaron Donald's still Aaron Donald. This isn't going anywhere. And they, you know, I don't know. I think they maybe have some first round pick next year. And then moving forward, they have some. But, like, this is a bleak situation that yep. I think they were probably prepared that was going to happen at some point, given where they went with the all-in stuff, right? That's right. And I think what's most interesting to me is that Sean McVay and Les Snead both decided to stick around and, yeah. apparently see it through, right? I think that's really yeah. interesting because I think yeah. they, certainly McVay was very publicly flirting with walking away after this season and decided not to. And you think about, I mean, it, I, you know, it, it would make sense to me to pull a Sean Payton here and take a year off, get that big media paycheck, and then come back someplace else next year, um, you know, rested, revitalized, and ready to start with a kind of a clean slate. Uh, sort of a similar thing about Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald, right? Like, um, I, I am curious uh, what the conversations are like between those guys at the, the sort of the top players and the coach and the GM with this team. Because you, it, it's not they're, – they're saying it publicly, right? They're not – this isn't just like they're doing it on the slide. They are saying we are taking a step back and we are not planning on competing as much. So how do you – sell that to Matt Stafford when he's 35 years old? How do you sell that to Aaron Donald? I mean, I know these guys are still getting paid a bunch of money, but it it has to be tough to have been a Super Bowl champion and then to now be kind of looking at a situation where you might realistically not have a shot at the playoffs the next two seasons. I mean, it's it's, it's possible. The NFC is is soft, so it's possible they could steal a wild card maybe next year. But I think this year it's it's pretty clear that they're not going to be competing for it. You know, I mean, their offense would have to be top five to drag this defense into the playoffs. For sure. Raheem Morris, nice coach. Yeah. Not gonna be I mean, they, get, they got great coaches. Him. They got great front yeah. office. They have a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth next year. They have like four sixth-round picks and two seventh-round picks. So uh, off the top of your head, last time the Rams picked in the first round, they'll have their first first-rounder since this. Is it Aaron Donald? It is not. It okay. is. Uh, you went to 2014. It's 2016. This is pretty nuts yeah. to not have had a single first. Now they've done pretty well drafting in the later rounds. So it's helped them survive and get them to that point mm-hmm. of a Super Bowl. But yeah. it's bleak. Who are they? They're Sean McVay and hoping Sean McVay and he yeah. hires can sort some things out, put them. I think they'll be more competitive than people think. They'll, they're not going to yeah. be a pushover. No, they're not going to be a tanking team. Yeah, but they'll they'll uh just is only so far this skill on this team can take you. Um, you know, Jake, I think it's interesting just this whole thing with the defense. You mentioned all the UDFAs, right? It's like truly, if you look at their roster on our lads, the entire third string is UDFAs, and some of the second string. And so, I wonder about that just as an experiment, right? Because we know statistically there are UDFAs every year that make the NFL, right? That they, that can play in the league, that the the league doesn't do a good enough job of identifying their talent. So I'm kind of interested in this from an experiment standpoint of like, if they find two of those guys, that alone, really, like if two of those guys can play and can actually contribute to this team, that alone goes a long way towards fixing your cap situation when you're talking about what next year could look like, right? If you can plug in a guy who's on a rookie UDFA contract for four years. Yeah, something to consider. I think people are paying close attention to it uh, as far as like the volume, right? Yeah, all around paying close attention to it as a means to – because some teams have sold their picks into the future here, right? The Browns have. 
in right. the middle of it. I mean, the not, Browns not should be paying close extent. attention to this because this is yeah. what 27 could look like. Yeah. Also on the roster there in uh, L.A., in case anybody cared, old Richard LeCount III. Still, uh, still Richie. Richie. Uh, we're not going to waste any more time on them. Season deciding act factors. I don't even know if there is one. I, I really don't. I think I think Matt Stafford can play really well, and I think Aaron Donald could be a dominant dominant force, and it shouldn't matter. They're going to go like at the top end, seven and ten. Yeah. I think seven and ten would be a great outcome for them. They're clearly worse than last year, and they are a tier five, uh, just out there having fun type this year. I agree. They shouldn't be any better than that. Uh, I will say I wouldn't be stunned though, as the NFL is weird, and if they just all of a sudden have a decent little season, I, like a seven and ten, eight and nine would not. I agree. It all surprised me. Yeah, like I said, out. the NFC's soft, and that offense. If the, I mean, you pointed out the offensive line. If the offensive line can click, that's that you know that offense can still be top ten. It really can. Yeah, Cooper Cup and Cam Akers are talented guys. I mean, like you yeah. can Van Jefferson started to make some strides, a second round yeah. pick, and Tutu Atwell can run, and they they uh this is the Pukanakua kid, the the BYU product. A lot of people, people really him. like him. People love so, him. So, all right, well, Rams, you you have a little respect from us, but maybe you'll learn more by the end of the season. That's a wrap. That's a lot yeah. of podcasts. That's a lot of talking. I think we covered the uh, NFC West through the Browns play pretty extensively and we'll, we'll obviously get to the bears next and then we'll start diving in before we know it we'll be talking about a few more we're going to probably do a pick a few more real serious nfc teams so like probably the eagles and the giants and the cowboys some of those that we feel are very serious contenders and then we'll be the week of arrival for training camp we're going to do like i said the deep dive on the afc north uh, really dig into to those teams and do the same sort of exercise so and maybe we'll even do the browns i think it's kind of fun to look at that from the brown side of things it's right? a good like idea a, uh, you know, just a sort of exercise to go through everybody who matters. So we'll do that. Andrew, thanks for your time today, man. You know, we appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Jake. That wraps today for Andrew, for me. We appreciate you being here. Check out the OBR for all the linebacker content you could conceivably, conceivably want for your brain to absorb. It's all there. Go learn about the Browns linebackers from every angle. Check it out. Thanks for stopping by. Rate review the pod. Always appreciate that. Have a great day, guys. Go Browns.